parents strongly cautioned, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some materials that many parents would not find suitable for children. The programs may contain intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language and suggestive dialogue. Welcome to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. My name is Jose Argumento, and with me tonight is Daniel Sherlock and Sketch. Uh, but tonight we're going to be interviewing someone very special who's uh, continuing the legacy of Samurai Jack in comic book form. Jim's up. Say hi to the people. Hey, how's it going? Very nice to be, uh, be on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, be with us. Um, now, this was very opportune timing for us because Samurai Jack is returning to television on Toonami uh, mm-hmm. in February, and you are continuing the Samurai Jack legacy, the storyline in the comic book forum. Um, so we thought we'd go ahead and ask, how did you get your start in comics? Um, well, that's yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty involved. I actually, you know, obviously grew up on comics and all that kind of stuff. I think you can say that's true of pretty much everyone in the business. And uh, my background's in animation. So I got into the business through, uh, I, I worked in animation for a few years. And then an opportunity came up to work with um, a studio called Udon that's here in Toronto. And they do um, a bunch of different artwork for animation and video games and also for comic books. And they were doing a lot of different uh, comic book work at that time for companies like Marvel and Wildstorm. And, and uh, eventually they started doing the comic series for Street Fighter. This would have been back in 2003. So I started working with them uh, about, you know, I guess 10 years ago. Jeez, I can't believe it's been that long. And so that's how I kind of got my foot in the door of the business. I had done some little comic book stuff for myself. I did like a little web comic back in 2001 and things like that. But actually getting my foot really in the door in the business was 2003. And I sort of bit by bit was working on all kinds of different projects there at the studio. And uh, slowly but surely, learning uh, you know how stuff works in terms of publishing, in terms of storytelling, and slowly um, getting experience. And then in in 2009, started sort of developing my own comic book uh, story uh, that I wanted to release. That got published in 2010 through Image, and it's still going. It's a fantasy comedy series called Skull Kickers, and that's probably where most people first saw my work in any kind of a big way. So. Uh, that that's been yeah. So since then, it's been about three years of pretty hardcore kind of comic book uh, working, moving from art into writing, and uh, and then getting this opportunity to work on uh, Samurai Jack, which is just phenomenal. So uh, I, I see here that on your on your timeline and your blog here, uh, your first creation, I guess, is Makeshift Miracle. Uh, yeah. What would you say? What lessons did that teach you on the way over to Skull Kickers? Well, it, it's interesting, right? Because <clears throat> I think everyone, uh, you know, they always say that thing: everyone's got a story, everyone's got an idea, they want to tell a story of something. And so, Makeshift Miracle was like taking a bunch of different elements or storytelling things I wanted to do, and inadvertently learning how to tell a comic book story. So pacing and paneling, and and you know, um, how to put things together and how to really present a story properly. And, you know, warts and all, it really is a very special story to me because 
it was where I figured stuff out, where I was able to kind of test things out on my own, uh, on my own idea. And so, uh, that's really, I think for everyone, you know, they say, well, how do you, how do you get into this business or how do you start, you know, how do you become a writer? And it sounds really corny to say, well, you write, you know, well, you create stories. Well, you, you have to do it wrong or you have to do it multiple times, you know, and improve and critique yourself and build those skills up. You know, it's not like, in almost any other business, uh, you know, you would go through a period of practice, right? So if, if you said you want to be a professional baseball player, you would go and you'd take, you know, you'd play as a kid and then you'd get better at it and then you'd join like the AAA and then the AA and then you move your way up to the, you know, or the AA and the AAA and then you move your way up to the professional, you know, sort of thing if, you, if you're good enough at it. And I don't think there's any difference in terms of a creative business. So you have to get that experience. So something like Makeshift Miracle was a way for me to build up my sort of, you know, knowledge, my toolkit of storytelling in a comic book form. So now I'll be honest, I'm not very familiar with comic books. I, I read every so often. So what what's it like to work on something like Makeshift Miracle, which you did self-publish and then going to work with a label? Is it easier? Is it harder? Uh, they're all different experiences. You know, the good thing is because I worked in animation for a while, um, you get used to working on kind of other people's properties. They're just different sort of sandboxes. There, there's amazing flexibility when you're working on your own stories because you can kind of do whatever you want. But that doesn't, you know, in, in many ways, working on a commercial property, it's nice to have other people to bounce things off of or it's nice to even have a structure in place. I find it's almost like exercising different creative muscles. So when I'm working on Samurai Jack, it's not mine and that's a good thing. You know, there's a structure there and there's a way that things have been done and I'm not here to copy what's been done. I'm here to bring more to it, but not to ignore, you know, what's in place there. And and it teaches you a lot about, you know, putting you into some situations where you need to match what's there. You know, you're playing in someone else's sandbox and that's an honor to be able to do that. But it also means that you've got to be conscious of that. You've got to think carefully about what you're bringing into it or what's already there in terms of theme and in terms of story and symbol and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, compared to other properties, uh, has there been a lot of overhead on Samurai Jack? Have, have they, have, has Cartoon Network or Gendy, uh, Tartakovsky, uh, been, been keeping an eye on it? Honestly, it's been really amazing. I've been, uh, really, really happy. Andy, uh, Suriano, who is, a uh, one of the designers on the show, uh, he and I have been working away on the comic sort of like as a fifth season of Samurai Jack, continuing the story that left off in animation. And um, Cartoon Network's been incredibly supportive. And Gendy and everyone else have been incredibly supportive. They really like the story ideas that we've come up with, and they really like the way that we're, um, that we're, that we're treating the property. And so I kind of went in nervous, like, okay, you know, I've worked with clients where they're very kind of, the, the oversight is really intense. And that's totally viable. That's their property. They should be you know, if they want to be. But uh, it's been a really smooth working relationship so far. We've been able to throw out lots of ideas. They really like almost everything that we're bringing to the table. And we're being very conscious of, you know, what made Jack great. And Andy was part of the original production team on the cartoon. So, you know, he's bringing that into play as well. And I think that gives them more confidence that what we're doing is, is on target. And so it's been honestly – a lot smoother than I expected. It's not like I was expecting just to, them to bust our balls or something, but you know, I kind of went into it 
expecting that, okay, if, if there's a lot of edits or there's a lot of feedback, that's just part and parcel of working on such a, a beloved property. But so far, it's been, it's been really smooth, way more than, uh, than I'd expected. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be cocky about it. I'm sure as we go along, you know, there could be situations where they would ask us to make more changes. But so far, it's been pretty minimal. And we've been uh, hitting the target pretty solid. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been great. And I guess my last question before I let these two guys go is: is how did how did Cartoon Network approach you? Uh, who approached who with with the property? Well, that was the the weird thing. So IDW is the comic book publisher, and they've been having quite a bit of success, sort of mining, uh, you know, that kind of nostalgic era. So they've got um, comic books. They're doing the Transformers, and they do GI Joe, and they're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, they're doing a My Little Pony comic and all this kind of stuff like that. And there's a huge audience for this. So I think they were just looking to expand their publishing offerings. And uh, the Cartoon Network properties, you know, was one that they looked into. And so they picked up both Powerpuff Girls and Samurai Jack. And so I've been talking to an editor at IDW about a different project late last year. And it ended up not coming through. It's just that, you know, the stars didn't align and schedules don't come together. When you first start in this business, you get wigged out when a project sort of crumbles. You go, oh, you know, what have I done wrong? But nowadays, I, you kind of realize that almost half the stuff that you propose or talk about will not necessarily come through and sometimes even more so. Um, and so it, it fell through, but it, the editor and I got along really well. And so I said, if something else pops up, you know, please let me know. And he said he would, and, and good to his word, when the opportunity to pitch on Samurai Jack came in, uh, he asked me if I wanted to throw my hat in the ring. I wasn't the only writer. Uh, there were a bunch of writers that pitched on it. I don't know the exact number, six or seven, I think. And uh, mine was the one that they decided to go with. So I, in many ways, I kind of just threw out my uh, dream idea, like this is how I would approach it. If this works for you guys, then I'm the right guy for the job. If not, then then I'm not. And that's, it was pretty straightforward as far as that went. Here's what I think makes Jack tick. Here's why I think it's a great property. And here's how I think we can tell new stories without just retreading the same ground. And uh, and they agreed. And so it's not always that simple. <laughs> Sometimes it can be a lot more nerve-wracking or, or difficult to pitch on something. But uh, I pitched this would have been, I guess – mid to late February and then I had the gig by end of March so about a month month and a half I guess of waiting and uh, and they announced it in July so and I was cranking away on scripts all through that period all right and the sketch Daniel you guys got stuff to ask few I'll let sketch go okay yeah put me on the spot yeah uh, <laughs> no, no pressure <laughs> no pressure <laughs> Before we get real deep into Samurai Jack, I noticed that you worked on uh, some of the Shifty Look comics. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been working with Bandai Namco uh, Japan for, oh God, almost two years now on, on uh, taking some of their older sort of defunct properties that weren't being utilized and reinvigorating them for, for the web with uh, web comics and new stories and sort of redesigns, hoping to turn some of those into different things. So... It was it was a really unique opportunity, and I'm just sort of wrapping up a bunch of that stuff over the last month or so. So, uh, how much creative control did you have in those cases? It's fascinating, right? It was really dependent on the property. So, for some of them, I mean, if if in the case of something like um, 
like Wonder Momo is a game that that was in Japan, but it was never even released in North America, and they hadn't done anything new with it in easily over a decade. Like the character would occasionally show up in a cameo of like a Japanese Namco game in the background or something like that, but they really mm-hmm. hadn't done anything with it in years and years and years. And so we kind of came into it, and uh, Eric Ko and I, he's one of the other guys at Udon, and we said here's how we would approach it. And and they were sort of open to whatever we wanted to do with it. As long as, you know, we didn't go too crazy or, or kind of wreck the core concept, uh, with something like Klonoa, which is, a you know, a, a character who's had multiple, multiple video games and is a lot more popular, even though they haven't done anything with it in a few years, it's a lot more well known. So that had to bounce through, you know, several more layers of approval. So yeah, it really depended on the property we were playing with. Um, and and you sort of just get used to that, you know. Every project's got its own challenges, and even if you're dealing with the same company, a different project may have different sort of mm-hmm. requirements, and you just kind of you you kind of ride it out. Uh, I try and go into a new project with no expectations of what it should be. It's just sort of like, hey, this is what it is, you know. Okay, yeah. And uh, how did working on the uh, Bravo Man? animated shorts compared to working on comics well it's it's a totally different process because you're dealing with animation you're you're trying to think first of all the storytelling is a little bit different so with comics you're thinking about still images and creating sequences of images and pages with with animation you're trying to think of big visual moments you can get a lot more complex with the animated stuff as well um so you're also thinking in terms of the the way the joke paces out in terms of dialogue is a lot different and then the other weird part is the amount of time I spend on a comic before I see it sort of in print. Like, um, So a new project that gets announced this week, in four or five months, I will have the physical comic in my hand. And in the case of the animation, you know, we're writing the lines and it took oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot longer for it to all turn into something. You know, Let alone um, I flew out to L.A. and they, I was there for the voice recording. They wanted me there to do voice direction. So I was working oh. with Rob Paulson. And he was the voice of Bravo Man, but he's he's the voice of he's done two of the Ninja Turtles, and he was the voice of Yakko Warner from the Animaniacs, and he's got a, a credit list the length of my arm, and he's a phenomenal. Oh, I love Rob Paulson. He's incredible, right? And so yeah. being in the studio with him for the day and watching him go to town on it, he and D. Bradley Baker were both on uh, on Bravo Man Getting to direct those guys, and that must have been. <laughs> well, that was you know the weirdest part was is I think for the first. The first couple hours uh, I was there, I was way more nervous than they were. I was just like, <laughs> didn't want to get in their way. And then yeah, they they're were just getting in like, there. They want to do their gig. Yeah, they were super cool. I mean, it was it was really something else. We did the theme song in the first thing in the morning. So we were basically eating breakfast in the studio. We just you know brought in some takeout, and and uh, Randy Regal was in there. He's the composer of most of the most famous Animaniac songs, and he did the theme song for the new Bravo Man cartoon. So he, Randy and, and Rob go way back to Animaniacs, and they did the theme song in like two takes, <laughs> and and then they did a, re, a mix on it, and they fixed it all up, and it was pretty much like ready to go. We, we had budgeted them like two and a half hours, and I think they did it in 45 minutes with all the prep and everything else, and we were just – my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. They were so good at what they did. And then I step in there and I'm like, okay, we're going to record the dialogue. And I was so nervous for the first little while. I think I slowed down the entire process because I was just trying to make sure I did it right or whatever. But by the time we hit lunchtime, we were, we were just roaring on it. Those guys are amazing. Probably my most, the most 
uh, fun part of the whole process was recording what are called wallas, which are basically like little grunts and groans and pain sounds mm-hmm. and screams and burps. So we had this crazy laundry list of, of walla sounds that we had to record. <laughs> so you can imagine you tell Rob Paulson, okay, we want your character to record sounds of pain from one to 10 with 10 being the most painful. And he just does this building, rising, screaming, wrenching, you know, comedy pain. And we're trying not to crack up in the, in the booth. And then because we're not cracking up, he's pushing it even more to try and make us crack up. It was, uh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And that studio was awesome too. On the way out, we finished at the end of the day. It was a pretty long day. We were in it like, must've been eight in the morning and we left at like seven at night. So we were there for almost 11 hours and we, we were heading out to grab dinner and on the way out, one of the other recording areas in the same studio, they were doing a bunch of Disney recording and it was, it was literally the voice of Minnie Mouse. She comes out and she's <laughs> chatting with Paul, uh, you know, with Rob Paulson and, and he introduces us and her natural voice was like 80% Minnie anyways. And so you could hear it in her voice and you were like, oh, this is so creepy and weird. Like I'm talking to Minnie Mouse. This is so amazing and, and totally bizarre. Yeah. That was a, it was an incredible experience. You know, the animation end of it is so much more complex. And I would feel bad when we would see all the steps that all the animation has to go through before we finish it. And, you know, with the comic, like I said, I just write it. You know, the artist roughs it out. Boom, we do the panels. We're going. And these animators are working on just second by second. And you're just like, oh, man, I really hope this is funny because you guys are putting an excruciating amount of work into this. So uh, it's a totally different experience. It's very cool. Wow, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> that was insightful and amusing. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know yeah, that's so one, cool. <laughs> one of the one of the best compliments I think that I got from um, Andy Suriano working on the Samurai Jack comic. We've been getting along really, really well, and and the issue that comes out. Well, I don't know when your listeners will hear this, but it's coming out this week, so it'll be out on Wednesday, uh, December eighteenth. Um. You know, Andy was super complimentary, and he basically said, "Man, I wish this particular story was animated because if it was, it would be one of the best Jack episodes." And I was like, "Oh, you're kind of freaking me out." You know, like, <laughs> yeah, don't say that, man. I mean, you know, I'm just doing the best I can. But yeah, okay, great. You know, and everyone's been, and we and, we want more Samurai Jack, so yeah, yeah, let's put it on. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, you know. It was, uh, I, I've gotten very, very complimentary. Uh, you know, I got some very nice messages from uh, Phil Lamar, the voice of Samurai Jack. And uh, we chatted a bit on Twitter about the comic and stuff. So he's been telling his fans about it. And yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit, a little bit surreal, let me tell you. Yeah, I bet. Well, now we got to make that issue into a motion comic at the very least if he's willing, oh, if he's game. Do you know, why not? Do you know what I want to do is I, I was telling a couple of people for, who organize convention stuff that if they bring out Phil and I that we do a panel and he can read lines from the comic. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be pretty amazing. That would yeah. be really cool. Be it'd, be, it'd be weird to experience Samurai Jack in mostly dialogue seeing as it's mostly visuals. Yes. Yeah, there would be a lot of and then this happens and then this happens and then he just punctuates it. Well, that was one of the weirdest things was writing the script and realizing I'm known for it. Like Skull Kickers has a lot of banter in it and I really like mm-hmm. writing dialogue. <laughs> so you can imagine, right? I start writing Samurai Jack and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, uh, less, less is more. Less is more. So one of the when we got the lettering proof back for issue one, 
normally, you know, you send the letterer and the editor a series of, I would like to make these changes, and you're usually adding stuff. You're adding dialogue, or you're saying, hey, let's put more in here. Let's move that sound effect. And half my notes back were, chop this line, chop that line. You know, Andy's art says what we needed to say. I don't need to have anyone talk here. So we were just, I was chopping my own dialogue to pieces, you know. But it's better for it. It, it's, it feels more like the show, and that's the, the entire point, so. That's cool. I appreciate that amount of authenticity. Well, when, when I when I pitched on the show, I was very careful about like I watched a few of my favorite episodes again and and took some notes. I was like, what what does it make me feel, or what is what is the purpose of the show? Like, what is it all about? And trying to sum it up. And then once I got the gig, um, I gave myself homework, so I started rewatching. <laughs> <laughs> the entire show from start to finish. So I would That's watch the YouTube. best homework ever. I yeah, know, right? It's two the best three... excuse to buy DVDs ever. <laughs> <laughs> two to three episodes a night. Uh, I was watching uh, most most nights of the week, and I had a little notepad there, and I would take down notes, and they weren't like things I wanted to copy because in the pitch, I actually said, you know, we need to introduce new things because the show. You guys are fans. You know this. Other than a coup. And the Scotsman shows up a couple times. But other than those two, Jack doesn't really run into the same characters over and over again. It's not about that. It's about yeah. a journey where he goes to new places. And he, he's, the, he's the stoic center and everything else changes around him. So he goes to new locations and he meets mm-hmm. new allies or he fights against new, new challenges. And so I said, you know, I know the first thing that most people would want to do is bring back all their favorite stuff and have it happen again. And I said, that's the worst thing we can do. The best thing we can do in the spirit of Jack is to create new places and new challenges and new enemies in the way that the show did. Because that's the way it'll feel the most like a fifth season, is if we do what the show did best, rather than trying to get lightning in the bottle and bring back that villain and do another thing with the same you know, stuff. That, that you know, we got to add new things into the mix. And that was what they apparently really liked about my pitch was that I wasn't just saying, okay, the archaeologist dogs are coming back and okay, the fish people are coming back and, you know, this sort of thing like that. It was very much like, yeah, that happened and we're doing new stuff. And so uh, – and Andy was super positive about that as well. He said, you know, I'm a better artist than I was 10 years ago and I'm excited for new challenges. And so I feel almost guilty because I've got one of the character designers from Samurai Jack. Taking my, on your crazy, <laughs> taking my craziest yeah. ideas and going, yeah, that, blah, and just sort of blowing out these awesome, amazing designs. And, you know, it's not like the stuff's not going to be on model because that was his job. Like, he knows <laughs> how to really mm-hmm. how to kill it. And so that's been a real enjoyable process, you know. And so we avoided the first story arc is five issues, and it's called The Threads of Time. And we introduced all kinds of new crazy stuff, and it's been a lot of fun. And we didn't we didn't go back to the well to any of the recognizable stuff. Like Aku shows up in issue five, but other than that, like um, it's all new. It's all new places, all new challenges. And it's only once we sort of hit our stride with that that I felt comfortable going back. So in issue six, we're going to bring back the Scotsman. So fantastic. Yeah. And writing his dialogue, I have no worries about writing too much. <laughs> <laughs> I got, writing his dialogue is pure. Pure bliss, I got to tell you. My poor wife, though, uh, I have this thing I do. People ask me how to write dialogue, and I say, you know, the best way to write dialogue is to read it aloud after you've written it. Because <laughs> as much as it might look good on the page, it, it's not if it doesn't, you know, flow as as real dialogue. 
and so just like when we did, when we were writing the Bravo Man scripts, we would read it out loud back to and forth to each other, even before you know uh, the voice actors got it, and they were going to do their own version of it, but just making sure it's got some kind of something, right? But with um, with the comics, I'm always reading the stuff aloud. So my poor <laughs> my poor wife, I was like bouncing stuff off her. I would watch an episode with the Scotsman, rewatch it again right before I dialogued up his the comic. And then I would be screaming it out loud the way he does, you know. <laughs> and so she's like, "Well, that that sounds right." And I actually like hurt my uh, <clears throat> hurt my throat because I was just like yelling this oh, yeah, dialogue yeah. all night while I was dialoguing up the first issue. Not easy know? to imitate any of John DiMaggio's roles. No, man, that guy's amazing, right? And so coming up with some of these lines are really, really uh, funny, uh, fun stuff, and trying to make it sound like that weird twisted like scottish brogue with with weird word usage and replacements and and slang all slammed in there in and again not trying to repeat things he said from the episodes like i don't want him to insult jack the same way he did in the show i want him to come up with a new one that sounds like a you know valid whatever right and so that was a lot of fun uh to to come up with these things and then to do these these stupid lines of dialogue right so, I, wow. if I may make one tiny suggestion, <laughs> sure. Like, not right now. Maybe like fifty issues in. Maybe like a hundred issues in. Oh God! You know, you go. Like, technically, we're doing ten issues. I would, I would be absolutely overjoyed if they made it an ongoing series. And I think everyone on the team is crossing our fingers that we get, that we get more issues out of it. Which but, means uh, go buy it, everybody, because I want my suggestion to happen. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Buy yeah. it. Uh, but my tiny little suggestion is bring back the archaeologist jogs. I miss them. You know, the archaeology, but this is the thing is that I want to bring, I, I want it to be a real special thing when we do bring someone back that it isn't like, oh, episode, you know, we're bringing, we're just, that it's just a bad remake right. show of, of the same things you've seen before. That So bringing back the Scotsman in issue six, it's a, it's a bit of a mini event because you're like, oh man, he's the most requested, you know, return character and. This is going to be so awesome, you know. So, uh, but but being able to mix those stuffs in, and of course, even writing a coup as well, you know, all those things you want you want to really generate that feeling from the show. You want it to feel right. You want it to 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 really stand on its own merits. Right. You want it to feel organic. So, in fifty issues, I think it'll be organic by then. Well, you know, hopefully, I, I joked around to my wife. I said, if they make it an ongoing, then I have to stick around for fifty-three issues. And she goes, "Why fifty-three? I said, "Because there were fifty-two episodes, so I need to." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Well, that's pretty cocky." I'm like, "I'm not saying we're going to get that. I'm just saying if they made it an ongoing, I've got to cling on for that many issues." Right? She goes, "Okay, whatever. You crazy." <laughs> but that's pretty wishful thinking. Don't, don't, don't you know? Don't hey, I mean. We brought back Toonami, so anything's possible. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> True. But, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, writing, writing, uh, writing dialogue for these characters, and, and when people tell me, the best compliment we got, you know, issue, um, issue one came out, and IGN reviewed it, and it said that it, it read like a lost script from Tartakovsky, and we were like, yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good to hear. That's right. Wow. You know? Can so you get a better compliment. Than yeah, that? that's pretty much. And, and and you know what's funny is I feel like we're getting better as we go. Like I think we rode the nostalgia of holy crap, it's back on the first one, and so people are just like, oh, thank God, there's more Samurai Jack. 
So even the things that I look at now and I go, oh, I could have done that better. You know, like they were just like, oh, there's more, you know. And so I feel like issue three uh, is one of the one of the best ones we've done. I feel like issue five hits some really strong marks. Not that four is bad or anything like that, but it's like I feel like there's certain ones where we're really all the everything's in alignment. We're just we're rocking it. So I'm uh, I'm really excited about people reading um, particular chapters and their response to it. And, and us being able to take what's there and put a, you know, add to the mythology and add to the, to all the strengths of the show. I mean, what's so amazing about Samurai Jack is it's a genre melting pot, right? So it's got a mythic component and a fantasy component and a sci-fi component and, and all these incredible different bits and pieces you can play with. And it's really iconic, but there's really no rules. You know, there's that noir episode, uh, you know, with the, the um with the dog and the robot and then there's the the crazy episode where he gets turned into a chicken and there's another episode <laughs> where they're fighting in giant stone meccas like everything feels like it's up for grabs and in many ways that's really inspiring and and you've got a framework but you can really tell almost any kind of stories and some of them are downright goofy and other ones are very very serious and you know it's shockingly serious for a kids show and i feel like in in the spirit of that we need to really play on both sides of that as well. So we've got some goofier chapters. And then the one coming this week, issue three, is quite a serious one. It's probably the most serious one we've done so far. So Well, the thing I have to compliment you on and, and the show on is, you know, no matter how outlandish these situations get on the show, the world always feels organic. And that's, you know, because this is the same show where we have archaeologic, uh, archaeological dogs and, yeah, you know, yeah. and... Kira and, Kurosawa meets Hanna-Barbera. Like, it's this yeah. bizarro, yeah, totally. But it, it works, and it's all organic, and it's something, you know, I would extend to the comic books as well. Like, and it just, it works for whatever reason. It's just kind of well, cool. Well, I think Jack grounds everything, right? So he's such a stoic, serious, central figure, and everything rotates around him. Um, my friend Robin Laws, he's a game designer and a writer, and he has this thing he calls um, – the terminology he uses is a procedural character. So, for example, um, you, you ever watch like Matlock or you know, like uh, a Law & Order or those kinds of shows where those are procedural, police procedurals. The point being is that the characters are in the show and they have little character moments. But you really – they're staying the same from episode to episode. We don't watch Matlock to see – Matlock go through a standard character arc where they're going to learn something and become, you know, you didn't watch Columbo and be like, oh, is this the episode where Columbo loses it? You know what I mean? No, it's always about Columbo solves the crime and the crime is what changes around the, the situation and the scenario he's placed in to solve, right? Jack is a procedural character. He basically stays the same throughout the show. There's episodes where things happen to him where he gets mucked up or, you know, there's that episode where he forgets who he is and stuff. But for the most part, he is the central figure who stays the same. And we want to see how the figure we know, the person we know, reacts to all the outside stimulus that's changing. So whether that's weird underwater adventures or crazy, you know, mythic haunted house or whatever it's going to be, we know who Jack is and we want to see him injected into new challenges and new scenarios to, to see him be Jack in that situation. All right. Now that we've professed our love for Samurai Jack, <laughs> <laughs> we 
we do have questions. I don't know what happened okay. to them all. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it just questions. threw out the wild dude. That's what happens when we talk about Samurai Jack. It's just I, like I, let's I, keep I talking about the Samurai Guardian Jack. come back. The, the blue guardian looks like Morpheus. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, well, it's funny, right? Because everyone. One of the things I do is um, I'm on Twitter a lot. A lot of almost everyone in comics is on Twitter. Sometimes you wonder when anyone's getting their work done, but. Um, <laughs> I get asked a lot about, you know, well, are you ending the story? Or are you going to have that guy, the blue guy, come back and the thing? And I'm like, well, okay, A, I want this series to go as long as humanly possible. So I'm not currently planning to end it. But uh, B, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't end anything without, you know, Gendy's AOK or Cartoon Network telling me to. It's not like I, I can sneak it in there, you know. Hey, guys, we're just going to finish this whole thing, okay? That'll be issue 11. <laughs> Are you cool with that? Whoops. You know, a bit of your life's work. We're just going to end it. Do, do, do. You know, so, uh, yeah, people asking me weird questions like that where they're like, are you going to, you know, does he kill a coup? I'm like, A, I, well, we haven't written that. And B, do you, do you really want me to tell you even if I knew? Like sometimes people want things to be spoiled for themselves in very strange ways. I don't understand it when it comes to entertainment. They ask you very pointed questions where they're trying to ruin their own entertainment. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, the, that's a weird trend we've noticed. It is. It's like so. The we just released the the ordering info for issue six, and it says the Scotsman is back, and it says they're going to be fighting against this curse, but we can't tell you what it is. And the first thing people ask me on Twitter is, "What is it?" And I'm like, "No, no, we can't. No, we're not. You got to read the thing. We it's want the you to curse be... of the archaeological dogs. That's nice. what it is." Yeah, we want. <laughs> Jose <laughs> called it. I, I'm calling it now. Good show, old bean. Good show. We want, we want you to be surprised. We don't like you. Just want even if I was, you know, wanted to. Do you really want me to tell you over Twitter four months in advance? Or that this would, podcast? Yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> guess what? It's a big thing. You're gonna love it. It's bleh. You know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we we got to move on a little bit here. No, no, uh, no. Oh, uh, believe me, I, I'm sure everybody enjoyed that sketch. <laughs> uh, Got any more, or are we going to move on to Daniel? Oh, let me think about that. Uh, yeah, actually, off the top of your head, you you want to tell us some of your favorite episodes of Samurai Jack? Sure. Um, because I just rewatched them all, I got them all pretty tight in mind. Um, the Scotsman obviously is a is a wonderful character, and all the episodes he's in are a hoot. Uh, I really like the Samurai versus Ninja one. Oh yeah, where, that, that's where fun. the ending turns into that light versus darkness split. I think you know the experimentation that the show did was really impressive. I love that they would play with the animation medium and they would play with composition and they would play with light and dark and all these different types of things. And as the show went along, especially when I was watching them back to back, I noticed how second season was a lot more sort of experimental than first season and third and then fourth and fourth is like the most bold or feels like they just feel confident. They can try anything. And and so I actually told Andy, I said, as the, the comic goes along, you know, the more chapters we get, I'm hoping we can just make it an ongoing. We can start doing crazy thing with the comic medium where we're going to make it like rotate the book while you read some weird thing where Jack gets pulled into a spiral or just really fun stuff that we can try and be as experimental with comics as they were with animation. You know, and so those episodes tend to be the ones that jump out at me as really special ones. So the Haunted House one's got this awesome style shift that happens, you know, midway through the episode when Jack starts seeing those visions of the ghosts and stuff. And so that one's a favorite of mine as well. Um, 
the the Jack versus Mad Jack has probably the strangest uh, climax of any children's cartoon, where it's literally, you know, you got the story about this guy with a sword and he's kicking ass, and this is the episode where basically just Zen quietness solves the problem. It's just unlike any other kids show ever, and it's a really really cool. It's a surprisingly deep, uh, you know, concept. You've got this sort of darkness of his inner self that's been pulled out by a coup and, and made into a physical being and they go at it and then Jack just wills it out of existence with his own inner peace. And that is uh that's a, that's a favorite of mine. All right. Uh, Great. Fantastic. So Daniel uh, or sketch, if you had one more. Uh, yeah. So you're saying you're not really looking to end the series. But I'm kind of curious about if the comic is going to touch on earlier parts in Jack's life. Um, potentially. It's, you know, one of the things I didn't want to do, I didn't want to get too much into backstory. I wanted to push things forward. You know, when you've got a show where it's been away for God, nine years now, people mm -hmm. want forward momentum, right? So I didn't want to get stuck into a feedback loop of here are stories that happened before the stories you've already seen because then they don't feel like they're – they are filling in gaps or they're giving you new information, but it's not new and forward. Do you know what I mean? So our priority, yeah. particularly with the first story arc, was new season five, moving forward, different stuff, you know, that Jack's got a the, – the story of, the, of our first um, – storyline is called the threads of time so jack's got a new potential way of getting home there's this uh artifact called the rope of eons which contains all of time travel sort of magic and that's how aku actually learned time travel magic and then once he learned it he shredded the rope and so that no one else could learn how to cast time magic and so um jack finds out about this artifact and these individual threads slivers the the threads of time if he can rewind the he find them and then rewind the rope, he'll rewind his place in in the time stream, and so that was sort of a a way where we could touch upon the classic story element of you know Jack is uh, got to get back to the past, but we're moving it forward with a new goal for him, and we're doing it in a way that hasn't been done before, and I think that that kind of thing where we everything is in play from the previous episodes, but we're not stuck retelling things or you know minuscule sort of insertion of of past elements as much i i think i think if we had you know if we do get an ongoing i'm just going to keep saying that because <laughs> I that, that. but if we then we'll have so much more flexibility to do that kind of stuff where we can spend one issue you know doing a, a story from the past or showing him as a teenager or 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 all sorts of cool stuff like that all righty cool. Uh, Daniel, I guess it's your turn now because we gotta we gotta move on a little bit. Sure. <laughs> first and foremost, please take my money. <laughs> well, you gotta pick it. You pick up the first. You, I guess by the time you this goes on air, pick up the first three issues, and and I think you guys will. Uh, I think you'll be pretty I think happy. I'll, I'll just keep on buying them every time they come out. Anyways, yes. uh, <laughs> um, what makes fan, fan, uh, Wow Samurai Jack so uh, loving? Uh, franchise and why would you want to continue it per se? Um, I think what makes Jack such a great story is it, it has all the classic elements of very uh, integral mythic storytelling. So you've got the wandering hero. I mean, he is exemplary of a lot of these kinds of wandering heroes, 
archetypes from samurai films, from westerns, from any kind of stranger in a strange land sort of storytelling in sci-fi and in, and in myth. But because you put it into this funky future controlled by a coup, you, you have so much more flexibility, like I was saying earlier about the genre melting pot, that you can have bits and you can have episodes that feel completely fantasy oriented. You can have episodes that feel completely sci-fi centric and they all feel like they fit together. Nothing feels like it's outside of the realm of possibility and it all feels like it's in play. So when you see how much flexibility that has and it's a fun action show that weirdly has such a, a quiet center to it. It's, it's all about building up mood or it's all about setting uh, a particular atmosphere and then these explosive bursts of action. I think it's unlike any cartoon that's ever been, even while it plays off of a lot of things that are sort of deep core adventure storytelling and does it very, very well. Nice. So that's you, it should always be. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, you mentioned Gindi uh, supporting it. Uh, have you ever thought of actually letting Gindi write in, in the comic? I, well, I, you know, it's not, it's not up to me. I'm sure if he wanted to, uh, IDW would be more than happy to let him, you know, jump in. He's been doing movie stuff like he did, obviously, Hotel Transylvania. He's doing, I think he's working Popeye. on Popeye right yes, now. Popeye, and, so, and he mentioned but, Samurai Jack movie, but... <laughs> right, but the, the Hollywood grind is intense. And I know just about any time anyone says they want to do comics and media, uh, yeah. it's almost impossible to do... Both. movies and TV schedule stuff just because the, the grind on it's intense, right? And so right. Um, it's not from – I'm sure IDW would kick my ass out in a heartbeat if uh, if Gent said he would come write the scripts, right? Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't take that as an insult at all. If George Lucas said – I, I don't like, kick you script. off. I mean like have him write a few no, totally, uh, issues. Totally. But Gendy's doing uh, he's doing alt covers for the for the comic, which has been great, and they're absolutely stunningly beautiful. And so that's very you know it's like a real vote of confidence to us on the oh, on the rest. At least he's working on it somewhat. <laughs> oh yeah, but I think he sort of block did a bunch of the covers ahead of time so that you know it doesn't impact his his ongoing schedule. But yeah, it's uh, and they're gorgeous. They turned out just awesome. He did up the the drawing for it, and then they went to. Um, Oh, I'm gonna I'm brain farting on the name. One of the <laughs> one of the background painters, I believe, from the show, and then the guy did the final pass on them, and they're just stunning. So I'm kicking myself. I can't remember his name. <clears throat> nice, but yeah, it's been uh, you know, like I said, it's been a it's been an absolute thrill. If if we just do these ten issues, and there's definitely nothing wrong with that, uh, and we do our two sort of you know collected books when it's finished, uh, and that's my contribution to the franchise. I will be very 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 happy you know and and uh it's been it's been a rush uh i actually just finished the script for number seven today and uh we're just finalizing details on how number eight's going to work and uh it's been it's been a blast everyone involved has been just stellar and uh it's it's a little bit of a pinch me kind of a moment you know when you're working on comics you're always thinking four and five months ahead so even when issue one was coming out, it's like it didn't feel real because I was busy working on number five. And so but the the wave of, you know, uh, excitement we got from people for the series and their love of it, you don't realize the depth of that, you know, fan base until you're really uh, interacting with it directly. So, 
No, only if we can bring it back to TV. That would be great. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. Like, I would love to see more animated episodes. You know, mm-hmm. I would. Uh, that would be the best. You know, if this if this is my audition to write the show, uh, anyone who's listening from Cartoon Network, I'm your man. I'll take care of it. I got you. I got you all taken care. Cartoon of. Network, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're pitching to the wrong people. We should pitch to Adult Swim. Yeah, well, this is these are these are the people that uh, probably uh, Adult Swim would be the most likely to do it. (laughs) Most people people ask me, they'll say, "What's going on with the movie?" I'm like, "I have no idea. I have no idea." Or they'll say, "Is uh, you know, is is a cruise world the future of Townsville from Powerpuff Girls?" I'm like, "I don't think so," but (laughs) I am not. Arbiter of these things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just writing the property That's again. Interesting yeah. theory. Well, they <laughs> posted up online because what happened was clearly what happened was the animators worked on both shows and they were messing around. So in one of the post-apocalyptic backgrounds, one of the cities that Jack's walking through, a bunch of the buildings and like the um, billboards are are the same as from a, a Powerpuff Girls episode, but they're all burned up and destroyed. So, so the city of Townsville, right? So the jo- <laughs> so, but the joke is okay. haha, Look, we put a cameo of Townsville in the back of Samurai Jack. But when it comes to fan bases, they they screen cap it and they go, "Look, it's canon." And you're like, "Well, you got to calm down." Like, it's a it's a long uh, tradition of animators putting dumb stuff in the backgrounds of things to amuse themselves because they have long grinding yeah. jobs. So I don't think that necessarily means, you know, Gendy's sitting around steepling his fingers laughing. Oh, it's been planned all along, you know. <laughs> Gendy Tartakovsky is not Eisen. Nice, nope. nice. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I, I, when I was at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, we had a panel with um, with IDW and we were talking about different things and, and uh, people were asking questions. And I actually ended up getting the last question of the panel. I grabbed the microphone and I said to IDW, I said, when do we get to do a Powerpuff Girls Samurai Jack crossover? And the oh, my whole God. <laughs> the crowd just starts screaming and, and whatever. So I, wow. if I um, – yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> the, the crossover I want to see is Samurai Jack and Symbionic Titan. Oh, man. Well, and that, that, was, was, you know, that, that was one of the funniest things was I, Jack got announced in early July. And I think the press release was up for 15 minutes before someone tweeted at me and say, will you continue Symbionic Titan? And I was like, dude, they just announced Samurai Jack. Like, it's literally been 15 minutes. The book's not coming out until October. And you don't even care. You're ready for the next thing. Like that's, yeah, I'm ready for the next thing too. I know, right? <laughs> months ahead of the rest of us. I know, right? It's like they, the day they announced that Netflix deal with Marvel, and they mm-hmm. were like, "We're doing five TV shows. We're gonna have Daredevil and and Luke Cage and like if you know, if you were 13 years old, you would have crapped yourself because oh my god, they're making like five TV shows of Marvel stuff. And the first <laughs> thing people on Twitter said was, "When are they gonna do the Punisher?" You're like, dude. They just announced the thing. Can you let it exist for an hour before you throw out more ideas? You know? No, that's that's too slow for internet time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> internet time. It's like a year after you announce it. It's insatiable. You know, I think the, the Netflix model is is the perfect it's like the, the feeding frenzy, right? Because now you can watch every episode of a show. So something like that House of Cards comes out and there's no release it's just the whole season at once so then people just binge on it yeah everybody's we've gotten really used to like instant gratification we're just like all right i got it and that was the (laughs) thing the first issue of jack came out and i got tweets from people and they were like i can't wait for number two i'm like 
well, you, well, you have to, I'm sorry, dude, a whole month. I'm like, that's comics. I'm really sorry. You know, like I, I can't make them go any faster. I apologize. You know? Well, if you have a time machine, maybe. A little clear. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> bet Jack wishes he had a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> We're making too many references now. <laughs> but the weight makes it all the sweeter. Um, I, I, so. Do we have any final questions before we, we go ahead and wrap this up? Oh, that's it for me, really. <laughs> I, I, I've got a couple more, and then we're going to go ahead and, I think, wrap this all up. Um, well, Samurai Jack is coming back in, in February. Um, does I, I, I don't know if you know this, but does IDW or Cartoon Network have any plans to maybe advertise the series, or sorry, the comic book series uh, no, during I, the airings? No idea. I, I really think that would be phenomenal. Be, you know, like the way I got into comic books Seriously. when I was a kid was by watching um, Let's ask adults the, the G.I. Joe cartoon. So the old G.I. Joe cartoon, at the very end of the show, they would have the credits roll. And then right before the logo for Hasbro or whatever, they would have a quick little spinning cover. And it would say, read the Marvel comic. And it was literally like four seconds. like blah, blah. And then it was the newest issue of the Marvel comic. They would show the cover. And my little brain would just go, yes, television. And then I would zombie walk out the door to the comic book store and buy the new G.I. Joe. <laughs> That's, I think that I don't understand why every cartoon that's based on comics doesn't have that like at the end of the walking dead show it should say read the comic like that should be in their contract read the comic yeah. you fools you know or or uh batman when i guess well, up I, there. well i guess you can't really say that with batman go read the comic that's not for kids you know <laughs> i guess we'll ask cartoon ne- uh adult swim to advertise it <laughs> or if they want to do it if they want to do it you know if you're talking to the adult swim guys and they want to do a contest or like uh, win some signed comics or or artwork from Andy or I or whatever. Just have them get in touch. We'd be thrilled to promote the comic and and uh, pimp out the show at the same time. That would be the best. Sure, I'll. I mean, that synergy. Was I have, synergy. I have Jason's phone number. Why not? Sure. sure <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> I've got people who know people. Yeah. Yeah, you do. We we had Jason on like last week, so why not? As of this recording, it was last week, guys. Nice. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, if we can make that happen, that would be awesome. Then we get some credit somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, like we have some credit somewhere. <laughs> we announced it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Um, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter because I'm on, I use like tweet deck. So I've got the search term Samurai Jack up. No. And so I see people constantly talking about the tsunami thing and pointing towards your podcast and stuff, which is cool. Oh. Well, uh, my I think my last question is, you know, uh, oh god, I had a brain fart. Edit this out. <laughs> I have a question. Go to sketch while I think of mine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, obviously, this comic of Samurai Jack is mostly going to appeal to people who are already familiar with Samurai Jack. But is is it going to be safe enough for all audiences? Oh yeah, absolutely. We're playing the exact same sort of audience as the show. I think we can get away with a little bit more violence than the show had. So we've got we've got like some blood in silhouette and stuff like that. It's not all robots. We've got him, uh, Jack, actually chopping up some creatures and stuff. And uh, there's one issue where Jack gets wickedly impaled. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's pretty brutal. So, um, but all things considered, it's still basically the same audience as the show. We're playing the exact same, um, you know, sort of, Focal okay, point so it's, age range, yeah. It's a little less censored. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're trying to push the envelope on there. And I actually wrote in the script, I said, you know, this is going to need to be in silhouette because technically this person will be bleeding out, you know. And so I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to to go against anything that that the show sort of established as a threshold there. Uh, you know, it's not like all of a sudden just because it's a comic, we're going to have smoking and swearing and sex or something like psychotic <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Jack, the later what years you or whatever. What? Yeah, yeah, we're old enough. You know what's funny? <laughs> I, I swear to God, I actually got an angry. This one of the only negative messages I got was from someone who demanded that we should have moved the timeline forward an equivalent number of years because he's an older, like he was, you know, ten or twelve, and now he's twenty or twenty-two, and so. You know, we should have had Jack like older and swearing and gutting things because you know he's ready for that now. This particular Just not viewer. Jack. Well, that you know, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. Where one of the only criticisms I got was it's too much like the source material. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can take that compliment. You know, slash insult. I can take it. <laughs> um, I guess to wrap us up, any final thoughts on on you know Samurai Jack coming back to TV, uh, Samurai Jack the comic book. Uh, any final thoughts on on the whole franchises overall? Um, I like I like I said earlier. I think that the, it is really, really the reason why it resonates with fans and the reason why it resonated with uh, you know so many people over the years is because it was really accessible, and yet it also aspired to more in terms of storytelling. It would do innovative things. They would try out cool stuff. They weren't afraid to leave scenes silent. They weren't afraid to establish atmosphere instead of just constant flapping mouths and, and you know inane kind of banter. They were really about solid storytelling first and taking kind of recognizable classic storytelling tropes and introducing new kind of twists on them. And I think that's what makes the show so powerful and why it, it's it, the show feels contemporary and yet it also feels classic at the same time. And that's what's really great about it. Um, so I hope people uh, enjoy what we put together. Everyone on the comic book team is uh, honored to be able to continue the story. I know Josh Burcham, the, the colorist, and uh, Andy, you know, the artist and, and Carlos, our editor and myself, everyone on the team is really, we're passionate about it. We're not just pumping out like a commercial tie-in product. And I think that that passion comes through in the book. And I hope that people understand that, 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 you know, this is because we, because we care and we're, we're trying to bring our best to it because that's what the animators did when they were working on it. All right. Samurai Jack is available in the comic book stores now and Comixology. Uh, yeah. You can go ahead and buy issue one and two and the collected volume one. Uh, can I put my website and stuff? Sure. Go ahead. If people want to find me online, I'm at jimzub.com. So J-I-M-Z-U-B.com. That's my Twitter handle as well, just jimzub. Uh, I've got tutorials on there about how to write comics, how to break into the business, how to uh, pitch your projects and, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And then you can find out about other comics I'm doing, including, um, you know, Skull Kickers, Makeshift Miracle. I've got new projects uh, being announced very, very soon and uh, all sorts of cool stuff coming in 2014. And uh, Samurai Jack will be returning to Cartoon, or sorry, Adult <laughs> Swim, <funny>. Adult <laughs> Swim Yep. in February. Be sure to watch it, not Cartoon Network, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And read the comic books in the meantime. Uh, the third issue drops December 18th, so it'll already be out when this comes out. Um, 
Do you have a date for issue four? Um, I they're usually going to be the third week of the month, so okay. I expect it would be out on the twelfth. Oh, because January first is a Wednesday. It'll either be the fifteenth or the twenty second of January. So check IDW for details on when issue four drops. Collect the issues today uh, when you can. And thank you, Jim, for joining us. Thank you t- for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us about a lonely samurai called Jack. Nice. Nice. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, oh, and uh, shout out to Batnick for the suggestion. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks very much. And that'll do it for us this week. Once again, please check the website for all the news regarding Toonami. Uh, we're still on vacation. I'd like to thank I'd like to thank Sketch and Daniel for joining me, Jim for being our guest this evening. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back next week. Sketch, where can the good people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984. You can tumble with me, sketch1984.tumblr.com. Also check out Same Shift. That's same, S-A-M-E, shift, S-H-I-F-T, dot Tumblr, dot com, to listen to the little podcast thingy that I do with Darrell, which amuses us and should amuse you as well. Interesting. Yeah. Daniel, where can they find you? <laughs> yeah, they can find me at Twitter, at ZeroGamer, and they can also check out uh, Toonami Faithful After Dark on Twitch. Yes, it's back. All right, and... Uh... For me, you can find me at J-E-A-R-G-U-M-E-D-O on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at J-E-A-R-G-U-M-E-D-O.tumblr.com. And uh, please follow our podcast Twitter uh, at Toonami Podcast, our Tumblr account at Toonami Faithful Official. Uh, visit our numerous Facebook pages, not that anybody uses Facebook anymore. Um, <laughs> and visit our website because, once again, we are off. Uh, so we, we didn't talk about ratings. We didn't talk about trending. Please check the website for that. That will continue to be updated during our two-week break. Uh, we will return to regular episodes January 6th. So please stay tuned. We have one more interview left in our month of interviews. We hope you've all enjoyed uh, this interview. I certainly did. I had a lot of fun with Jim. And uh, thank you all very much. Happy holidays. Be safe. And we'll see you all next week. And then we'll see you all again for real next year. <laughs> A cursed samurai.